we have a, a desire uh, to plant uh, churches for the transformation of Trumbull County. So if you're already a Rock of Grace person, you know what this is already all about. But the, the short uh, bullet point version is this, 202,000 people live in Trumbull County. 140 kids, it's less now, but 140 kids are in the foster care uh, system and need mom and dad. In fact, we got a call from them today. Today, we got a call from Trumbull County Children's Services saying thank you so much for what your church is doing. Um, guys, we, there's nine couples that are now fostering and adopting at Rock of Grace. Now you say, what does that have to do with church planning? Everything. Because the desire is this, that every single church would take upon our church planting, or I'm sorry, our Transform Trumbull initiative. And that seriously, you, if you have every single church that gets planted, that gets coaching and care and gets planted and resourced, and they say, you know what, we're going to make it part of our mission to see every child, every child, every, say every child, every child given a safe and loving home, right? Then suddenly, guess what? The church solves the adoption crisis. Who thinks that's in the heart of God? I don't know about you, but I think that's in God's heart. So that's all part of that. It's all, it's all connected. As we plant churches, it equips the saints for the work of the ministry, and it's, it's just a beautiful thing. So let's go to the Lord. Um, as, you're, as you're giving, uh, as if you're a regular here, you already know this. If you're a guest with us, um, there's a box on the back, or you can drop it right into the offering uh, there, and we're just excited. Let's bow our heads. Father, we love you. We thank you for this house. We thank you for this opportunity to worship you. God, we thank you for the rich presence, Lord, your rich presence that is already here. Lord, we are incredibly blessed just to know you. Jesus, we, we love you. Can you just say that with me? Jesus, we love you. God, we're so thankful for who you are and what you've done in our lives. And Lord, when we, when we give to something like this, we're believing that there are communities in Gerard, in Howland, in Middlefield. God, that there's communities, God, that need you. They need the gospel. They need a Jesus-centered, spirit-filled church. God of disciples who are just radically committed to you. And, and we just pray, God, that you would help us steward this vision. Help us steward this vision. In Jesus' name. And everyone said? Amen. Amen. Um, hey, somebody grab, oh, there he is right there, Lincoln. Lincoln, so I'm just going to do this little commercial because this is the first time I put this book in the foyer. And I started writing this uh, about six years ago because when I would be at different events, I could always spot that guy in the crowd that was called to ministry, right? And so I'd go and talk to him and be like, I just want to tell him about Gideon, tell him about Joseph and see this touch of God in their life. So Lincoln, come up here because I want to bless you with this. Can you guys give Lincoln a hand? And stay here for one second. I want to tell you, like, just as you were leading, I just see what I'm, what I'm talking about in here, which is, so if I'm not careful, I'll start preaching the whole book, which we'll be here till 10 p.m. So I won't do that. Everybody say amen. Don't get excited about that. But Gideon's story, right, after he encounters the Lord, the, the, the neighboring nation said he looks different. He looks like the son of a king. That's what they said about Gideon after his encounter with the Lord. And I just feel like you have had so many encounters with the Lord that has transformed you, and God is not done. Can you guys just reach your hands towards Lincoln? God, we just thank you for this Gideon. Father, you found him. Lord, and you anointed him. It, it really is, like David said, like, like a, 
the anointing that runs from his head all the way down to his feet. Father, I thank you that he is excited to bring others along with him in his journey. God, that you've put that heart of sonship in him, that love for the family, that love for the brothers and the sisters in the family. Thank you, God, for his sincerity. Thank you for his genuine love for you. And we just pray a blessing over our friend in Jesus' name. And everyone said? Amen. Amen. Be blessed, man. Oh, I'm so glad. Listen, can I just say what, I'm just going to tell them what I told you the first time I met you a couple years ago. So he came back after the worship and I was holding my guitar and I'm like, man, your voice is like butter on an Italian warm bread. And he looked at me like, and then I'm like, I'm not that weird. I just sound weird, but it's just stupid things that audio people say. I'm sorry. Uh, hey, I'm excited for what God's going to speak tonight. If you got your Bibles, open up your Bibles to Genesis. We're going to zoom way out, like way out tonight. I felt like God wanted to, um, wants to bring us like into his heart, but also to see where we're at in the world right now. Can we zoom out that? We're going to zoom way out, okay? And so I've called this the drama of God. The drama of God. So turn to Genesis, hold your finger right there, and let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, I ask you to speak speak uh, to us tonight, speak through me. God, move my ideas aside, move my thoughts aside, any idea or any thought that doesn't align with your word and is not inspired by your spirit, I pray you would move it aside and that you would have your way here tonight. In Jesus' name. And everyone said? Amen. So these are going to be kind of rapid fire slides, more slides than usual. It's more of a, a teaching tonight, but I feel like God's going to really uh, challenge us and encourage us. So four acts, all right? We got creation, the fall, redemption, and new creation. Now there's a lot we could say. There's a lot we could say, but we, I want to I boil it down to four things. So if you all could say this with me, say creation, <clears throat> the fall, redemption, New creation. Okay, keep that slide there for one second, guys. I want you to understand where you're at. You're in the redemption. I mean, just, just curious, has anybody already been raptured? Like, did I miss it? Did anybody? Okay, okay, just make sure I didn't, like, miss the train. Okay, everybody, you're, you, you are at stage three. You are at act three, where, where God is redeeming the world. And what we're going to learn is he's redeeming the world through you. So let's look at creation. Let's look at creation. Man was made in his image. This is unbelievable, right? That everything was good. Go ahead and go to the next slide, guys. Everything was good. Man was made in his image, and everything was good. Everybody say this with me. Everything was good. Now, I know I'm, if you're a Rock of Grace person, I just mentioned it. We talked about the garden just three, four weeks ago, but I really want us to think for a minute. Imagine walking in the cool of the day and hearing the voice of God. Absolutely no separation between you and God. Think about Eden. Think about that. Who thinks that would just be incredible? Now, I'm going to, spoiler alert, I hate when I do this, but I'm just going to do it. I'll say something at the end of my sermon up front. I know, Pastor, you're probably going to, I believe the spirit in you. Come on, right? There's things about right now that's better than Eden. We'll get there in a minute. All right, anyway, here we go. Man was made. Why was man made? 
for perfect fellowship with God. Perfect fellowship. And you have to understand that. Now, why is it so important for you to understand that God's first role in your life is creator? How many believe God is father and he takes on these other roles, right? Absolutely. But why does God set the premise? Why does God begin with creator? How many of us think God is very purposeful in everything he does? He's very purposeful. So if he starts with creator, it's important that we start with creator. Because if you only see God as father, then you will forget that you'll one day stand before him. Your creator, your maker. And, put you, and it puts you in this sobering, humble state that we need to see ourselves in. Guys okay? So God made us. Everything was good. And by the way, when I was reading, <laughs> this is going to be a really cheesy joke. Just bear with me. All right? Sorry, I'm already laughing. I think my jokes are very funny. And... I just do. So I'm reading Genesis, and I think it's really funny how, how he, makes, he makes Eve. How did I never see this? I mean, I've read this. I have read Genesis, you know, a hundred times. How did I never see this? He, and he literally says, at last. Right? He says, at last. Come on. Any soul fans, right? Like, come on. Right? My love. Oh, yeah, I won't get that. All right. All right. So he's like, at last. She's beautiful. All right. But something awful happened. Something awful happened. Man fell into sin. Why do we use the word fall? Because man fell from perfect union with a perfect God. This is important. Now, now if, if you're curious about God tonight and, and maybe you're invited from a friend, we're going to give you an opportunity to know this perfect God. But if you're already following Jesus, it's important that you understand that you had, that, that man had this union with God that's unbelievable. No sin. There was no separation. Friendship, hand in hand. And in the fall, Satan convinced man that God wasn't good. This is so important. You got, we have to understand this. What did Satan say? Did God really say you couldn't eat from that, that tree? And what does it say, though? God gave Adam all of these options. The road to sin always begins with believing that God is withholding something from you. Let me say it again. A mess in your marriage, a mess at, at work, is it, the road to sin always begins with God is withholding something that you need to be happy. And so sin comes in and, right, Satan, and we know he fell because he wanted power. We're going we're to come back to that in a minute. He wanted power. He wanted to be like God. So he tempted Adam and Eve to believe, hey, you can be like God. Which, by the way, there's an element of truth to that. Remember what he said. If they also eat, if they also eat from this tree, they're going to live forever like this. So I'm going to banish them. From this garden, you have this angel, this flaming sword, ama amazing imagery taking place there. But he says something remarkable to them. In that moment, man's relationship with God is severed. And we do what Adam and Eve did. We hide in shame. And it breaks my heart because to this day, there are millions of people who hide in shame. And all they have to do is come clean 
with God. All they have to do is admit their need for God. All we have to do is admit our need for God. So man's relationship is severed. Now you say, is it really that simple? Is it really that simple? Let's go to the next slide about, about the sin. Man's banished from God's presence, right? And you have this separation. And it's interesting that you know God's heart is broken. Because what did he want? Friendship. He wanted union. Just wanted friendship. But you can't have friendship and love without free will. If I put a ring on Danielle, there's my wife at the back. Everybody just say, hi, Danielle. See, Danielle, she's the beautiful one in the back. You know, love and friendship has to have free will. If I said, hey, honey, I just want to marry you, you know, I just need you to stay locked in this cage over here forever. She'd be like, well, you're kind of a psycho, and I'll probably see you on Dateline. So no, you're right? Because <laughs> love doesn't include control. You try to control, if you try to control someone, that's a sermon in and of itself, but, and, and Christians even fall into that sin today, but anyway, love is in the context of free will. So God has this free will given to us. Man makes a mistake, we're born into, the Bible says we're born into this sin, and this is still the root problem of the world. Again, we're zooming way out. We're zooming way out. Why, why is there a dictator right now? Why is there this guy eager for power, bombing hospitals in Ukraine? Why? why? Now, maybe there's all kinds of extenuating circumstances, but don't miss the forest for the trees. You have a guy saying, I need more power. That's the root of sin. Sin is you need more power. Amen? And what does Jesus do? He has all the power, but he lowers himself. And he humbles himself to solve this problem. So Jesus lived a perfect life. This is hard for us to understand, but he's fully God and fully man. Fully God and fully man. You know, as I was writing this, and these are things like we talked about in, in, in David U this last uh, spring, last, or last spring, is it spring again? It's spring again, almost spring. Still snow on the ground because we're in Ohio. But we talked about this for quite a while. Like, like how is Jesus fully God, but he's fully man, but he is. Guys, he suffered. Think about this. I was thinking about this when I'm writing this. Jesus suffered anxiety. He sweat drops of blood. He worried. He even had... Sadness, where are my friends? Why did you leave me? You can't pray with me. He felt abandonment. He felt every human thing that is painful to you, he has felt. We have a suffering servant as our Lord. It's unbelievable. That's why Isaiah calls him this suffering servant. So Jesus, who has all power, look at this dichotomy, right? Satan says, I need more power. Jesus, who has all power, humbles himself for you. Kneels down, comes into our mess for you. And every single picture 
up to redemption is this picture of Jesus. You think about Moses, right? He's an Israelite. He's a Hebrew. He's one of them, but he's preserved. But he's one of them, but he's preserved. And he goes back to save his people. That's Jesus, right? You think of Joseph. God gives him this dream, right? His brothers betray him. Judah, the root word of Judas, betrays him. It's a picture of Jesus. The entire Bible is about Jesus. Everybody say it's about Jesus. I have really sad news for some of you Pentecostals. It's not about you. <laughs> Turn to your neighbor and say, bro, you are not David. Come on, look at him and say, you are not Joseph. And look at him right in the eye and say, you are not the hero. Jesus is. Now, that's my Baptist coming out, so I apologize for all you Pentecostals. I'm a Baptocostal, so you have to get over it. You got to get over it. That's what the redemption story is. God sent Jesus. So Jesus, what happened? Jesus lives, right? Teaches us how to live, how to forgive, how to truly love, how to treat people and see people the way the Father sees them. You want to know what God looks like? Jesus says, look at me. Jesus says, watch the way I treat this woman caught in adultery. Watch the way I treat this tax collector that you say is a horrible person. I'd like to be buddies with them. I might go on vacation with them. And they're like, they're confused by his genuine love for every human being. And what happens? He, he gives his life on a cross. And we are redeemed through Christ's birth, death, and resurrection. Now, why did I include birth? Because Jesus is born a man. I know this is not a Christmas sermon, but I, I just help, just stay with me. I'm writing this and I'm like, we're... It's important that he was born. Do you ever think about that? Jesus could have just showed up. What movie, what movie was, oh, Aladdin. You know Aladdin? I've, I've got a lot of kids. There's too many to count at this point. It's pretty, it's, it's a lot. It's, I just, answer the front, I just like to be able to daycare. I just say that. But my kids were watching Aladdin, and, you know, you think about Aladdin, he just, like, shows up. He's the king, Right? Right? I'm not going to sing the song, don't worry. I almost did. I was tempted, but I stopped myself. Thank you, Lord. All right. <laughs> I'm still tempted, but I will. All right. That's not what Jesus did. Jesus could have just shown up. But instead, he's born. An infant in need. Wow. He, guys, he's seated at the right hand of the Father. Surrounded by living creatures and a myriad of angels worshiping him. And the father says, I want you to go be born and need help. And he said, okay. Wow. That's amazing. And it's a picture of what we, what happens in our life. We are reborn into his birth, death, and resurrection. Look at Ephesians 2. We're going to camp here for just a minute. You were dead in your, in your trespasses and your sins. In which you once walked, following the course of the world, following the prince of power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. Just pause for a minute. Have you ever watched the news and just thought, what is wrong with you people? I know, some of you are like, you look in the mirror and you're like, what is wrong with you people? No, I've done that, right? No, but for real, like, sometimes we look and we're like, what is wrong? What is wrong? Well, there's a real enemy of God. 
and he tries to convince man to buy into the same lie that he believed, which is to have power to oppose God, to not humble himself before God. So they carry out the desires of the body and the mind. And we're by nature children of wrath. You hear that? By nature. Born, we're born into sin until we accept Jesus as Savior. So he says, like the rest of mankind. But God being rich in mercy. We just sang about it. Who thinks God is rich in mercy? Does anybody else agree with me? God is rich in mercy. Because of his great love. Wow. With which he loved us. Even when we were dead in our trespasses. He made us alive together with Christ. With Christ. I need a big dude to come up here and help me with an illustration. Where's my man that was singing to my left? Right here with a hat on, right there. Come on. I need a big dude. Come on. This is impromptu, but I did this about four years ago. Tell me your name. Ivan. Dude, Ivan, I love you. And by the way, there's never a day when I will have made you mad. Okay. You got, bro, I just almost fell over touching his bicep. No, I'm just kidding. Okay, stand in front of me. Okay. What a lot of Christians do, and so they get into a performance-based mentality, which causes them to strive and lose joy, is they think they have to earn their salvation. And they forget that when God sees them, God sees Ivan. God sees Jesus. Come on, that's the gospel. So you say, yeah, but I'm a mess. Look at me, God. God's like, I don't even see you. I see this big dude right here named Ivan. Everybody say, hi, Ivan. My shoulders are the size of his bicep. You know, he could just break me like a toothpick. He'd be like, done. Thank you. All right, give it a hand for Ivan. Now you say, I, I, I missed it. I want to make sure you don't miss it. When Jesus sees, when God the Father sees you, when you accept Jesus as the one who came between you and a holy God, and you're, you're sinful and, you're, and you say, well, I have these issues. I have this desire for, for pride and power. I have that, and, and you say, but I need Jesus to come between me. God says, I receive your faith. I, I see that you have faith in the Son, and so now I see you for who Jesus is. And now you start to walk in the joy of sonship. Now you don't try to be like other people. Now you're just so thankful for Jesus. That's why the most spirit-filled people you will ever meet are people who always talk about Jesus. Come on, you okay? We are redeemed through this Jesus. Bought back, reunited with our creator. So that in the coming age, now here's where we're going. He might show the immeasurable riches of his grace. Oh, I could just read that over and over. In kindness towards us in who? In Christ Jesus. And some of you know, well, you'll know this one. By grace you have been saved through faith. Okay, let's try that again. By grace you have been saved through works. By grace you have been saved through growing up in the right denomination. By grace you have been saved because you go to the right church. Woo, somebody's feeling convicted right now. I don't even know who it is. I don't need to know. By grace you have been saved 
through your memorization. By grace you have been saved because you were a Boy Scout. None of that. It's simply through faith, through believing. Grace is the water. Faith is opening the spigot. You do nothing to deserve it. You just turn it on. You just believe. And so for some of you, I feel like even when I was writing this, I'm like, Lord, they already know this. And God's like, tell them again. Because some of you need reinvigorated with the joy that comes in truly understanding grace. Let me say it like this. We can't do anything to earn this forgiveness. The salvation is a gift. So God sent us now. Here's the really fun part. You thought that was a fun part. Here's the, here's the really fun part. God sent his spirit making us his messengers. This is what's remarkable. Every one of you is joining in now ambassadors with Jesus. Jesus could only be one place at one time. But you're everywhere. Think about that. God's like, I got an idea. I'm going to put me in them. It's so simple, isn't it? But it's, but it's also mind-blowing. It's profound. I'm going to put my spirit in them. So when, when Will's there and when Danielle's at the hospital and when Carrie's at the appointment and when Madison's at, all they're going to they're gonna see and sense Jesus. Wow, that's amazing. And there's a joy in partnering with Jesus. Some of you say, I don't know why I don't have joy lately. You've forgotten who you are. You forgot who you are. You're a redeemed child of God, able to be a messenger of the redemption story, of the drama of God. You have a, a truth that you need to be reminded of today that you're going to a new creation. But before you get there, God wants you to bring other people with you in the story. And so many people come to church and they just think that they're watching the minister and they forgot they are the minister. Or they don't realize they are the minister. You are the messenger. I'm not just the messenger. Pastor Dan's not just the messenger. Pastor Greg's not just the messenger. We are messengers with you. In fact, I think my core job is to tell you that you're the messenger. That's like my only job. I love it. You got one thing to do. Right? So God reconciles us both. And by the way, if you miss that, and if you, if, if you buy into a performance-based religion, you won't tell anybody about Jesus. Why would you tell somebody about something that makes you guilt-driven and heavy and sad? Think about that. That's why the deeper your revelation of the gospel, the more excited you are to tell everybody. Because it's incredibly good news. It's remarkable good news. We were just singing a little bit ago, right? I'm already loved. I get a kick out of these, uh, these worship leader forums every now, about, I'd say once a month, you know, I'll, I'll click this worship leader group. Will's probably in some of them too. And these worship leaders crack me up and they'll get on there arguing about theology. We're not already loved. What do you mean I'm already, I'm already, no. I need to get my act together and we need to, and we need to do this before we do that. And you forgot about 
this and that. And you're like missing the revelation completely. How about this one? I've seen arguments on you keep getting better. God does not improve. He has always been. It's our understanding of his goodness is increasing. That's why I can't even stay on there. I don't, Lincoln, do you ever go on there and you're just like, listen, people, y'all just need Jesus. And you're leading worship. You're leading worship and you don't even know Jesus. Anyway, all right. You guys got me worked up. I got myself worked up on that one. He keeps on getting better and keeps on getting better because we're realizing how amazing he has always been. Can I say that again? He keeps getting better, and we love to worship because we're realizing in increasing measure how amazing he has always been. That's why we can say, maybe without perfect theology, but a childlike heart, you keep getting better. Right? So he reconciles us to one another. God's spirit is his voice on the earth. I think about the way he's reconciling people. I think about the way we are messengers. Last night, uh, Julia Feltz is a messenger of the gospel, a messenger of redemption to the little kids. She's usually serving in, in Warren, but she came here and she's serving last night. There's people right now as a messenger of redemption. How many of you are thankful for the messengers of redemption to your kids and your grandkids over there, right? I think about there's been numerous times my wife has prayed with someone. Recently, it was a pastor she got to pray with in the hospital. I'm not in the hospital. Right? Tammy, Will's not in the hospital, but God has put that messenger. And he even said, I was praying for a sign, and it's like you're my angel. He was praying, and then in walks Danielle. Oh, by the way, I would think she was an angel too, you know. I'm like. <laughs> I've told her that many times. Like, you were distractingly pretty. <laughs> I lose my train of thought. Okay, here we go. Any married people up in here? Come on, you know what I'm talking about. I seriously, I turn into totally like Jim Carrey. I'm like, you are so pretty. That's how I asked her out, by the way. No, it's a true story. I said, I, no, I didn't know what to say. I was like, I like you a lot. <laughs> it's a true story. I mumbled for like 45 minutes coming back from Youngstown. I finally get, we're almost back, and I'm like, She's like, just say it, just say it. What are you trying to say? Just say it. And I'm like, I like you a lot. <laughs> that has nothing to do with my sermon. What was I going to say? Oh, God, now I know what I was saying. See, I told you, she distracts me. That guy is praying for a sign from God, and, and in comes this nurse who happens to believe in Jesus and gets to pray for her. You are messengers of this redemption story, wherever you are. And there's a joy in that. There's an identity in that that is beautiful, and it's, it's, it's part of who you are. Look at Ephesians 2. We're going to keep reading for a minute. Remember that you were at a time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, strangers to the covenants of the promise, having no hope without God. That's who we are. We were enemies of God. But in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. He himself is our peace. Do you know how many people around you need peace right now? You know how many people around you are stressed out and you have the answer? That's why this, this conference, God of Revival, it's not that revival happens on a Monday night. Revival happens on a Tuesday morning. When you walk into your workplace and you say, man, you, 
you look stressed out. Can, what's going on? And they tell you, and then you invite a third person into the conversation. Oh, can I tell you about Jesus? Because he can give you peace through this. And next thing you know, all you do is vocalize the name of Jesus. And Jesus is, oh, what would you say? That's how that works. It's very simple. He says, well, you're gathered in my name. You, you just say, can I tell you about Jesus? And Jesus is like, you called? He shows up. He shows up and he starts to minister. All right, let's look. Here we go. Act four. Everybody say, Act four. New creation. This is awesome. Who's ready to walk through some walls? Come on, somebody. I'm just going to walk. And I'm going to do what Jesus did too. I'm going to be like, don't be afraid. I know, I need to mature, right? Well, I know. I, that's what I'm going to do. I'm just going like, to walk through a wall and be like, don't be scared. Even though I just scared you. 1 Thessalonians 4, 13. Since we believe Jesus died and rose again, even so through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep, those who are already uh, passed away, right? For this we declare to you by the word of the Lord that we who are alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry of a command. It's important that you understand the new creation is an essential part of the gospel story. It's an essential part that we need to talk about more often. If, if you don't realize the hope of where you're going, right, there, there's, there's a promise that's been given to you. There's a promise that's been given to everyone who believes. With the voice of an archangel, the sound of the trumpet of God, the dead in Christ will rise first. That's the first zombie apocalypse right there. Come on, somebody need to read the Bible. I was rereading that about a year ago. I was preaching on that. I was like, they coming out of the graves. Everyone's going to be like, what? Okay. We who are alive, who are left, are caught up. Now, that's, where, that's by the way, that's where we get the word rapture. It just means caught up. In the clouds to meet him in the air. And so we will always be with the Lord. Now, why is it important? Listen. Encourage one another with these words. Some people are missing out on encouragement because they don't know where they're going. They don't know the hope that they can have. And you have that hope and you can remind them of that hope. That's why you can be with someone who is broken and you can say, did you know that there's a place where there's no more cancer and no more brokenness? And they said, what are you talking about? Yeah, you know how life is really difficult right now. And you know how you're dealing with this? There's a place called heaven where there's no brokenness. That's amazing news. We need to get back to what, the, what is the drama of God? Do we really know it? And can we articulate it, right? It's creation. It's redemption. It's the creation. It's the fall. It's redemption. And it's what? It's the new creation. Now look at this. Man is in perfect fellowship with God forever. God has banished sin forever. That's amazing news. I don't know if anybody else in this room other than me, like, as anybody else like me, there's been times when you felt guilt. Anybody? You're like, I wish I didn't have that thought. I wish I hadn't said it quite like that. All that goes away. I wish I, wish I hadn't been rude quite like that. I, I, it came off rude. I, and all of that is gone. The broken relationships. The sickness, the worry. How about that? The worry, are my bills going to be paid? All of that is gone. Life and relationships are 
what God intended. Think about that. I don't know about you, but I hate sin. As a pastor, I, I see these relationships that get severed. And anytime I'm in a counseling with someone, talking with someone on the phone or in my office, and afterwards, sometimes my heart is just heavy because I think, oh, I hate that devil. I hate sin. I hate sin. I hate how sin can make a marriage come apart. I hate how sin can make people go, uh, I need to be served. Life's about me. I hate how sin causes people to strive for power and strive for this or that. And then what? Brokenness. Guys, there's a place where there's no sin. Think about that. Think about that. That's the new creation. When you read Revelation, you see there's also a tree right there in the center. God's going to restore all things. Somebody say all things. Why does this matter? Let's close with this. Here we go. Why does this matter? Because at some point we ask, why am I alive? Usually it's a brush with death, right? Usually it's we're given a second chance or there's a tragedy in your life. The fall tells us, I'm sorry, creation tells us that we were created for something. We're created for fellowship. Why does this matter about the fall? It matters because now you see that humanity has this intruder in the world called sin that causes people to hurt each other, be, be condescending to each other, and then get revenge. And then brokenness, now we know, oh, sin is the evil intruder into God's perfect world. You still with me? This is the cause. That's the cause of human trafficking. I think it's number four in the United States is right here in Trumbull County. Right here. That's the cause of child abuse. Sin. The fall. That's the cause why someone can, can turn to these very harmful things. It's the fall. And we have to understand it's my sin. It's my sin. I have that same sin. Right? And we come to Jesus and we say, wow, wait a minute. Redemption says that through the death and resurrection of Jesus, the pain, the curse, the punishment of sin was defeated and we gained the power to have new life where there's not separation from God where we're united with our creator, where we no longer strive, hear me, to not have power but to serve. Now we have a desire to love and to serve. And ironically, opposite of what the world will tell you, your joy comes the lower you go. Your joy comes the more you serve, the more you become Christ-like. And the joy goes away when you push others down. That starts to make so much sense, right? New creation tells us that at some point in the future, and, and Jesus even says that Je Jesus even says that he doesn't know the time. Isn't that remarkable? He's that submitted to th the Father. He says only the Father knows. So the Father knows the time when he's going to send the Son back, right? He's going to send the Son back to bring an end to the pain and suffering. And the sin. And guys, by the way, I think we're really close. Right? When you read Matthew 24, rumors of war, right? Pestilence and sickness and this and that and earthquakes. And you, you read that, guys, we're really close. When you read Daniel 3 
And you see the, the, the ten kings of the world deciding to, hey, we're, we're going to need to be in charge. And then one rises up called the Antichrist. One rises up. Guys, you, you're close to that. You are very close. You have world leaders saying, you know, I don't even know if we really need this economy and that economy and that euro and that dollar, you know. What if you just didn't own anything? That's literally on the World Economic Forum website. What if you just don't own anything? But what they're really saying is we own and you don't. And suddenly, Daniel chapter 3 is unfolding before your eyes. That you have people striving for power, clamoring for a one-world government. And Matthew 24 is playing out in front of your eyes. You are right on the precipice of a new creation. Do you understand that, church? You're right on the precipice of the new creation. Act four in the drama of God. It's amazing. Jesus could just come. Who's ready for it? Who's excited for that day when Jesus comes? I don't know about you, but I'm excited. I know, that was like all seminary in one sermon. I apologize. It was a bit much. And he's like, I'm exhausted. All right, I need you all to stand to your feet. I want to invite the worship team up, and maybe tonight you're a guest. I want to give you an opportunity to know this Lord, this Savior, this Son of God who came to bring redemption to you and reunite you to the Father. And there's going to be two responses tonight. The second response is going to be for those who are already following Jesus, but I want to give you an opportunity if you don't know this Jesus. And I want to do it a little bit different tonight. I'm not going to ask everybody to bow their head. Because I feel like there, if there is someone here, and sometimes I've only done a few altar calls like this, where there's an acknowledgement. If you don't acknowledge me in front of everyone, that I want to acknowledge you in front of the Father. Right? So right now... Maybe God's giving you a chance to acknowledge, I need Jesus. Because that's the humility that we opened with, right? The humility, the posture of, I am not creator God, I am created by God. I'm not in charge, God's in charge. And so is there anyone here tonight that says, Pastor Jordan, I'm a sinner and I need to be forgiven of my sins. I need to be reunited with my creator. I wanna know this God that you guys are celebrating 